Join us. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin. And they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. This has been an incredible year. Uh, before we get into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Brian has done a great job with our website. Uh, all of our episodes and interviews are on there from our very first episode to the weekly release. Uh, check out our website. Uh, we've done some incredible interviews in the past with Horror Legends. Check out our interviews tab. Really easy to find those interviews. Check out our store. We got some new t-shirts. Uh, they've done, Brian and Dustin both designed some really cool shirts. You know, rep your favorite podcast. We'd love to see the pictures. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well. Her Tumblr has been selling like crazy. And I'm going to give a shout out to our social media links. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Like us, subscribe us, follow us, all that good stuff. We love interacting with you guys. We love meeting new people. Uh, we love answering your questions on the show as well. So that's another part. We always answer all of our questions. And the last thing we we'll shout out on our website is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. It takes a big burden off of us. It's not cheap or free to, you know, to make a decent sounding podcast. You know, it costs money. You know, make YouTube videos. It costs money to do all that stuff. And it takes a big burden off of us. And we really appreciate y'all's financial contribution in these tough times. And we also have a one-time donation available as well. You know, if you're a big fan of a movie and you want us to review it, we have that option available as well. Tonight we're concluding overdue month with Brother Dustin's pick. You want to announce your pick and why you picked it, brother? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I picked a movie that honestly fits this description of the theme for this month to a T. Overdue month, and we hadn't done 1981's The Evil Dead. I mean, this movie's got such a cult following. Um, it's very instrumental in the uh you know the growth of the genre and yeah. um like i said last week i was honestly surprised when i joined this show like 20 something episodes in i was surprised you guys hadn't done it already that's how um important this movie is to the genre it's not everybody's favorite cup of tea but i get that um and also i picked it because hey this movie takes place about 45 minutes up the road from where i am uh east tennessee you know this takes place in the thriving metropolis of morristown so let's figure let's knock it out. <laughs> uh, Dustin, I feel like this movie is definitely the epitome of overdue month. This was one of our options when we did a, a Twitter poll for episode 100. It did lose out to the exorcist, but this movie is, you know, definitely overdue whether you like the yeah. movie or not. Uh, I'll just be honest. I hadn't seen any of them until this one. Uh, not a big fan, honestly, at all. Just not my cup of tea. I think probably Dustin could have guessed it just, it's kind of got, it kind of falls in that like horror comedy thing. And, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Shaun of the Dead. And I kind of feel like this is kind of similar to that, honestly. Just how I view you know, it is what, anyways. What's funny about that is the first one is pretty straightforward horror. But from everything right. I've read, the rest of, I haven't seen any of the other series, Peek Behind the Curtain. This is the only one that I've ever seen. Um, but everything else is actually horror comedy. Like they amplify it a lot. So if you didn't like this yeah. for that reason, don't even bother with the rest of them. I'm <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I've heard as well, but I don't know. It just, it felt more lighthearted and not like, I mean, nothing was scary to me in this. Nothing was that I was, I, you know, I read at the end, you know, I think the atmosphere is good, but like, I'm just, I'm not scared at all. The demons aren't scary looking. It's just, it's just, it's just not for me. I mean, it's no hate to the, 
cult following this movie has, and I fully accept how important it is to the genre. And Bruce Campbell is a legend. I accept that as well. But and Sam yeah. Raimi, you know, he's a legend. Love his Spider-Man movies. And I like uh, Drag Me to Hell. I'll pick that one down the road. I'm a, I'm a fan of that movie, honestly. And that one's over the top and goofy. But, you know, this one's just not for me. Uh, Brian, what'd you think? <laughs> All right. So I'm an, interesting, <laughs> I'm an interesting relationship with this movie. Um, and the, basically this series as a whole, I have seen them all except for the TV show. I did not watch Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, you know, as Dustin mentioned, this thing was filmed in Morristown. You know, my grandma lived in Morristown and Whitesburg for almost my entire life. So, you know, I've spent so much time up there. And that's why I laughed when he said thriving metropolis. But uh, <laughs> so there's a uh, there's a connection right off the bat with this thing in me. And, you know, and when I was first big into horror back in the day, you know, I rented this from Blockbuster and I hated it. You know, years later, my buddy Taff kept quoting Army of Darkness. So I kept saying, all right, look, I'm going to knock this shit out, knocking the whole series out. I've grown up. And you know what? I fucking hated them again. Um, fast forward 10 or 15 years later, and the remake comes out. You know, it's it's my wife and mine's first date. Um, I'm thinking, okay, it's a decent premise. I'm a fan of the remake. I'm a fan of a lot of the remakes, as we've kind of covered on this show. Um, let's get it. Uh, we went on our first date. I fell asleep. Um, I'm surprised my wife even ended up continuing dating me. It was such dog shit, I thought. Um, you know, that <clears throat> that was 10 years ago. So this rewatch, I was ready to give it another chance, bruh. And look, I love Sam Raimi. I love Spider-Man, just like Nico said, and which surprising surprised me uh, with the whole superhero thing. But, uh, you know, and even just looking past the low-budget cheese of this movie, which I don't punish a movie for, you know, I just I can't. I, I just can't. I hate this movie. Uh, I understand anyone who says they have nostalgia. That shit is a powerful thing. You know, we know I'm the same way on, on a lot of movies, but man, you know, nobody can say I have not tried. I've tried to like this series. I've wanted to like this series. But man, I just I just don't. And I think I dislike this even more now than the last time I watched it. Um, I, I think this is like 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 a few we've watched where, in my opinion, it could be done right. Um, I'll say done right on such a just nostalgia or such a just legendary legend. Honestly, it is. It's a legendary movie. So I don't want to say it done right. Like it could be done in a way that I would like it. Um, and, you know, that's why I had hopes for the remake. But, man, you know, I understand the cult following this thing has and how iconic, like you guys mentioned, that this this horror franchise is. You know, I wanted to like it. Hell, I'm in the camp that I believe Jason Voorhees is a deadite because of, of what's made canon and Jason goes to hell. But, you know, I, I'm sorry, Dustin. I'm sorry, Shan. I'm sorry, everyone. I tried. I tried. I just can't like I'm with you, brother. I wanted to like it just because it's a classic, and you know Bruce Campbell is a legend. I, I wanted to like it, man. It just didn't just didn't work for me. What was you gonna say, Dustin? Go ahead. Uh, well, you know, you don't apologize to me. It's not like I love this movie. I just think it's a uh, instrumental. Like it, it, it's it means a lot to the horror community. And in 1981, it did a lot of things that uh, that advanced the the genre. But in 2022, it's not like I'm gonna pop this shit in every other weekend and be like yeah let's watch watch it now <laughs> oh okay yeah, well then i'm no. sorry shan because you know teammate of the show shan is a huge fan of this <laughs> edwin hernandez gun i'm sorry brother uh but at least you said you understood if we didn't like it <laughs> all right guys any more open you know, sam raimi, sam right? raimi also this is the second movie of his that we've done uh that he produced yeah. he was also the producer of 30 days of night 
So yeah. uh, well, he's, I like I mean, he's a legend in, in, in the genre. But um, this one just, you could tell he was 20, 21 years old when he made it. We'll just oh, put yeah, it that yeah. way. For sure. All right, guys. Any more opening thoughts for you? Just jump into the scene by scene. Send your best wishes to Mike. Hope he feels better. What was you going to say, Brian? Go ahead, brother. I was just going to say something about how daunting of a movie this kind of is to, to even cover because like we've brought up so many times on, you know, like Silence of the Lambs and different movies like that, that it's just, there's so much over the past decades of, of reviews and behind the scenes and everything else. It's, it's hard to put it all into, you know, an hour and a half little podcast. So forget us if we leave some stuff out. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There's a there's a like I don't like I don't know what happens after these. So if I say anything that's wrong, Evil Dead fans, please hit me up on social media and correct me. I'm not a not above getting corrected. So let's jump into the scene by scene. The film starts with title card as we see a POV shot move through the woods. We see a car of teens driving and singing. Scott asks Ash where they're at as he looks at the map. He says here as Scott has to swerve and not hit an oncoming truck. Scott complains about the wheel sticking. Scott tells a couple a couple guys to go to hell. He ain't honking the horn. They're heading to a cheap cabin in the woods, but they're curious why it's so cheap. They cross over a bridge that begins to fall apart as they drive over it. They drive through a path until they arrive at the cabin. The swing outside the front door is swaying, and Scott walks up to the cabin. He finds the key above the door, and the swing stops. He seems nervous as he unlocks the door. We see smoke in the house as he turns the light on. He walks through the cabin as the others unload their luggage. Scott finds a room full of saws and other weapons. Later that night, Cheryl is sketching the clock, and it suddenly stops. She hears a voice outside saying, Join us, as the wind picks up. Something seems to overtake her arm as she begins to carve into her her, uh, thing of paper. Suddenly, the wind stops, and a cellar door begins to shake. We're at the dinner table now, and Ash makes a toast to everyone. As they joke, the door to below flings open. They run to look down into the dark hole and are very sketched out. Cheryl says, let's just close it up. It's probably just some animal. Scott volunteers Cheryl, but he goes down instead. The others look down and Ash asks him if he sees anything and calls his name over and over. Linda hands Ash a lantern and he goes down to see what's going on. He looks around and sees nothing until he hears a noise from another door. He walks towards it and goes inside the other room and is jump scared by Scott. Scott shows him a shotgun, a Hills Have Eyes poster, and Ash finds an ugly-looking book. It has weird drawings inside his eyes, skulls, etc. Scott finds a dagger with a skull in its handle. Scott grabs the recorder. The group is sitting around in the living room, and they play the recording. A man speaks on Candor, and he and his wife are in a cabin now. He speaks on the Book of the Dead. It deals with demons, demon resurrection. They may lie dormant, but are not truly dead. They possess the living. Cheryl turns the tape off, and Scott antagonizes her. The man speaks in an unknown language, and we see smoke and a red light emerge from the ground. Cheryl yells, shut it off, and suddenly a limb falls through the window. Ash scolds him for going too far, and Scott says she's childish. Ash asks Linda to stay up with him. She agrees, but goes to check on Cheryl first. She walks in and sees Ash fake asleep on the couch, and she grabs a jewelry box he's holding. He finally reveals he's awake, and he hands it to her. It's a necklace. She loves it, and she asks for him to put it on her. She says it's beautiful and will never take it off. The two begin to kiss now as we see something watching them from outside. The POV shot walks to another window and watches and keeps moving around the cabin, seeing Shelly and Scott undressing. And now sees Cheryl in her room looking at the art and says, join us. She's scared and walks out the room and goes outside. 
Right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes I got. What'd you think? So if I'm being honest, this is my favorite group of scenes in the movie. I mean, uh, you, you can tell right off the bat, you know, how low budget and amateur this is. But again, that doesn't really bother me because I understand the time period. I understand the budget. Um, and actually, I think the minimal, minimalism, I, 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 like it did for Psycho or the original Chainsaw, I think it works here. Rami has some uh, pretty groundbreaking and trend-setting shots, too, I think. You know, this opening one that, that gives you the first-person shaky cam POV shot, you know, through the woods uh, before we get introduced to the crew, I think it's brilliant. Um, it's an example of how creative this shoot had to be. I mean, they got this shot by having Bruce Campbell push Rami in a dinghy through the swamp while he filmed that shot. Um, I'll say that none of the characters are really likable to me. Uh, it honestly kind of surprises me a little bit that Ash becomes the star of the series. Um, and I know the character changes a lot, um, but in this one, he's definitely not your typical hero, which which I think does work for the movie. I mean, you'd expect that to be, you know, Scott of the two guys if, if you're going to make the guy the hero. But, you know, I guess that's kind of the beauty of it and something I know Raimi has done with a lot of his career in different movies, you know, kind of. Uh, subduing expectations or flipping them on their head really. And uh, in his whole career. And, and that's, that's the hero expectations. And, and I think that this definitely, definitely has his fingerprints all over it, obviously. Also props to Ramey and company for creating the cabin in the woods trope, you know, before it really became a staple of the genre, you know, they, they created the fireplace for this production and, and didn't really have a, have a cellar. So they had to dig a big ass hole in the ground for the shots that didn't take place in the cellar. I hope they got Ash and, uh, Scott to um to dig that hole because they're the fucking fastest diggers I've ever seen in this movie. They're diggers from way back. Um but you know we'll get we'll get to that later. Um my the thing that makes this the most unwatchable for me is like the way that these characters are written. It's it's so comical and almost unrealistic that that it really bothers me. Like stuff happens to them all throughout this group of scenes and then like literally 30 seconds later it's just like meh and it's just forgotten about. It. It's not it's not really built up to me and, and one doesn't really play off the other. It's, and I, I know even that is kind of a trope, but it's so extreme in this. It's just, it's bad to me. It just comes across bad. Like they almost get killed in the car twice. And literally it's just like, meh, okay. Nobody's bothered by it. They're just right back to being normal. Um, the chairs literally banging on the house until the keys are picked up and it stops on a dime. Nothing. Nobody cares. You know, Cheryl has her hand like possessed while drawing, uh, the Necronomicon on, you know, on her paper um, while the cellar door is banging up and down and opening up and then nothing, just go about your evening and eat dinner. Like right after that, nobody acts realistic to me. And I think that that's the biggest thing that takes me out of it. You know, I, I get the later ones are, are more horror comedy. Like we, we, like we talked about, but like Dustin mentioned, I mean, this one's played pretty straight. And so I guess I'm, I'm looking for something different and uh, you know, I'll end on a good note though. The Necronomicon gets more important throughout the series. I know, you know, I do kind of like how it's not really explained a whole lot in this. I mean, we have the creepy recording, which is very well done, but compared to later, it's kind of left ambiguous in here. And I kind of like that. The last thing I'll say about the set of scenes is there's kind of a cool little fun fact history on this Hills Have Eyes poster that you can kind of see on the wall in the basement. This was apparently a reference to a ripped poster for Jaws that was in that film. You know, Raimi took that as Craven suggesting that Hills was scarier than Jaws. So they uh, showed the Hills poster saying that this was the scariest yet. Um, this continues with the Hills Have Eyes Part 2 and the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's kind of cool how they kind of went back and forth with that. 
Yeah, I, I like the uh, the open that we get with the shaky camera going through the woods and then uh, cutting back and forth to the car. I think that's a, a great bit of cinematography there. Um, I'm curious about some things, though. So why the fuck did this group of students come from Michigan State to Morristown, Tennessee? Morristown is eight and a half hours from East Lansing, Michigan, and it's about an hour into the state of Tennessee, assuming they took I-40 through Kentucky. So it's just an impractical location. You couldn't pay me to go to Morristown, and it's like 45 minutes from me. So that's my biggest issue with this whole movie, to be honest with you. But um, now when Scott is driving and he's honking the horn, here's just an error. Like his window is all the way up when he starts honking the horn, and then it's immediately down as he's yelling out the window. That's not possible because that Delta 88 definitely had manual windows. And even if it had power windows, like that shit was – up and then down immediately, but that's okay. We'll let that slide. Um, and then first of all, you know, she is a, an amazing artist. Not only does she draw that beautiful clock, she also gave us the first look of doodle Bob from season two, episode 14 of SpongeBob. That was an impressive, uh, draw, drawing there of doodle Bob. And that explains everything. Cause if you're familiar with that episode, doodle Bob's a real asshole. Um, we do get a cool shot while they're doing the toast at the table and then the sh uh, cellar door pops open. Like I like how it shows us that happening um, over her shoulder. That's that's a good choice there. Um, let's see, lost my place. There we go. And this cellar is fucking huge, man. Like I get it. Like you said, the uh, the cabin didn't actually have a cellar, um, and they shot this in a, a basement back up in Michigan. But they shouldn't have shown us the full basement because it is huge. Like, it's way bigger than the upstairs of this supposed cabin. Yes. It's crazy. Uh, and then when they're down there, I do like that, um, you know, when he finds the gun, it is cool that they have the Hills Have Eyes poster on the wall. I thought that's a very nice touch. Uh, then we get more Doodle Bob drawings in the book when they're flipping through the pages there, and it's it's clear that this is a prequel to SpongeBob. Um, now, <laughs> these characters are kind of annoying. I get what you're saying, Brian. Um, about how like stuff's happening and then they're just like, oh, you know, dust that off and let's keep going. Oh, some more shit's happening. Like, that's annoying also. But what's really annoying to me is her throwing a damn tantrum and making them turn that tape off just because she doesn't want to hear it anymore. Go to another room, you selfish ass. Like the, <laughs> no one else in the group has an issue with this satanic tape that they're playing. You could go to any of the other rooms in this cabin or go outside and smoke a J because I definitely believe that they were smoking some, doing some drugs to come up with the premise of this movie. So they were on set. But do anything else other than throw a tantrum like you're four years old. I don't want to hear it anymore. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> last thing I have is when Cheryl hears the voices and goes outside, I, it's scenes like this that I had in mind uh, when I came up with the, the name to this show. Like, I shit you not, when you guys were pitching the idea of starting a horror podcast, and I was like, you got a name? You're like, no, I don't. This is one of the scenes that, like, immediately came into my mind. Like, her just wandering around outside. Like, don't go out there, you dumbass. Like, <laughs> especially alone, you hear all the join us or whatever the shit's going on, and some freaky stuff's been happening anyway, and you're just going to wander off into the woods in East Tennessee? That's ill-advised anyway. It's the woods in East Tennessee. But, um... Anyway, it is a good set of scenes, though, to uh, kind of pique our interest here because I don't think anything outlandish happens yet. It's just pretty classic uh, B-horror stuff. To touch on your point about the 
<laughs> smoking a J or whatever. I saw Bruce Campbell. He was on Conan O'Brien, and he said that on the set of this movie was the first time he ever tried marijuana. They got super high for this movie. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Something else I wanted to say too. Um, and it's just, I forgot because I mean, she, like you said, there's so much in this movie that is, you know, you sometimes we're going to forget some stuff, but the, the magnifying glass necklace charm, I thought, man, that is fucking stupid. So, yeah, but Apparently, it was going to play a bigger part than we actually got. You know, apparently in the script, it was going, they're going to use the magnifying glass to like at the end to, to burn the book. Um, and it was going to actually have meaning, but uh, it got that got scrapped. So that makes sense on why I'm just like, why is there a magnifying glass necklace charm? But that makes sense once, you know, knowing that. It does. But at the same time, still fuck that necklace because you're in a cabin. <laughs> That's essentially an Airbnb before they existed. There's all kinds of random shit in that basement. There could have just been a full-size magnifying glass laying around, and no one would question, hey, why is there a magnifying glass there? And then they could have used that for their original ending. I'm sorry, but if you give a girl a necklace that has a magnifying glass on it, I I just don't see her reacting like she reacts. I don't think that's that's a hot item, even in 1981. (laughs) Well, she's going to burn some fucking ants? Get out of here. I agree. All right, Cheryl is outside asking if anyone is out there. She walks into the woods. I know someone's out there. I heard you in the cellar, she says. We hear some limbs cracking and a groaning noise. We see tree vines wrap around Cheryl's legs, arms, and throat. It rips her robe off, and she's drugged to the ground below. Her legs are spread, and a stick goes into her crotch area. She gathers her strength and breaks free. She runs away from the demon chasing her. She falls down but gets up and keeps running. She continues to stumble but finally makes it back to the cabin. She bangs on the door, yelling for Ash. She reaches for the keys above and tries each one but fails over and over. Ash opens the door and grabs her arm as she reaches for the keys she drops. We see the demon POV back away from the cabin. Cheryl tells the others it was the woods themselves she wants to leave tonight. They don't believe her, and she begs to be taken into town. He agrees to take her, and they get into the car, but it fails to start. Cheryl says, I know it's not going to start. It's not going to let us leave, but it finally does crank up. The others go back inside. Ash stops the car and says for her to wait for a minute. She asks if he sees anything and where's he going. She exits the car and follows after him. A limb almost hits her and she sees the bridge has collapsed. She runs back to the car and Ash grabs her and she yells, it's not going to let us go. Why won't you listen to me? As he tries to calm her down. Scott chops some wood as Ash listens to more recordings. Bodily dismemberment is the only way to stop the spirits of the book. Linda and Shelly are playing a card game now, and suddenly Cheryl begins to name off all the cards and reveals her demonic look to them. Why have you disturbed us from our sleep, the voice says. One by one, we will take you. She collapses to the floor. Scott asks what happened to her. Ash and Shelly walk to check on her, and Cheryl stabs Linda in the ankle with a pencil and smacks her into a wall. Cheryl throws Ash into a bookcase, and he's stuck underneath it. Scotty clubs her with the axe handle and knocks her into the cellar below and locks her down there. Later on in the night, Ash checks on Linda in bed, giving her a kiss. Cheryl continues to make noises, and Scott says to Ash, we need to leave. He says it's a few more hours until morning. Scott says we can take the bridge. Shelly asks what happened to her eyes, and Cheryl laughs. We see a demon POV shot walking towards the cabin. Shelly looks out the window. I think something's out there. He tells her to go to bed and get some sleep. The demon bashes in the window, and Shelly screams. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I got. What do you think? Man, you reading it made it sound a lot better than it actually was. So I kind of understand, I guess, how this is uh, 
on paper it actually sounds okay but what the fuck is going on in this set of scenes man like first of all nutso cheryl is dumb enough to not just you know check what's going on outside which is dumb enough oh no no that would be semi-logical <laughs> no she decided she would walk deep into the woods looking for somebody again look nobody is nobody's gonna do that like unless they're you know high or there's some reason for them to to do that that they should have had her possessed or something as if you know that wasn't enough she's fucking raped by the trees so what what the hell like i, <laughs> I watched a, a bit of an interview that that said ellen sandweiss was uh was sh- was shocked herself once she saw the final product on screen she said quote i knew my legs were spread but when i saw the shoop i was shocked myself i i i just was like what what the fuck is going on here like seriously like it's one thing if the vines were trying to kill her and her clothes get ripped off, but having the trees stab her in the pussy, like this, <laughs> this was just, this was just too much. Like not to mention that she was strong enough and broke right out of the limbs. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That scene was just awful to me. Plus, damn, it looked painful anyway for for Ellen while she was tripping over all those branches and scratching herself all up. And that's another thing. Like this was apparently a really brutal shoot. Uh, Bruce Campbell and his uh, autobiography described it as a comedy of errors and 12 weeks of mirthless exercise and agony. So she, several actors had inadvertently been stabbed or thrown through objects during production. The temperatures were so cold at the time shooting that the camera and, and other wiring froze and had to be thawed by the fireplace inside the cabin. Real glass was used, which is fucking nuts by the way. And, and on the very first day of shooting during a scene shot on the bridge, the crew got lost in the woods super brutal conditions just crazy um and it does at least kick off some of the dead-eyed action though and and you know right before that some more beautiful shots from Raimi with the blue tint simulating the moonlight or, or using the car headlights for shots i thought that was fantastic also the introduction of cheryl being possessed i thought that was great um the makeup there looked good um, apparently the contact lenses were super thick and they had to wear for the demonic eye effect like they took 10 minutes to apply but only could be left on for 15 because their their eyes couldn't fucking breathe with them so it's just crazy now lastly the voice you know and some of what the demon said sounded like something from the real ghostbusters cartoon but but the makeup looked good on her and and when she stabs is it linda is it linda that she stabs in the foot i mean I know this movie has a rep as being kind of a splatter film, and but holy shit, like, damn, that's obvious why. Why? Like, I love the footstep. Not sure how she was able to go straight to sleep after that. That seemed crazy. But uh, also, don't love the inconsistencies and in the strength of the demons. Like, Cheryl throws people around like rag dolls here, but, you know, all the other demons and, like, later on, even with her, it's kind of differing in strength. So, I don't know, maybe that's explained some of the sequels. Uh, like I said, I've seen them, but it's been a long time, and I don't remember it being as serious as this movie at all. Um, also, no rhyme or reason to to the possession. Uh, doesn't seem to come through bites or blood or, or what, really. Why was Ash never possessed? I don't know. To be honest, the set of scenes just kind of seems like a big clusterfuck to me. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. What the fuck was that? Um, so, Cheryl's going into the woods, and... Everyone's favorite guardian of the galaxy turns out to be a sex offender. What the fuck was that, Groot? You can't just be raping women like that. That scene was <laughs> shocking, to say the least. Um, and then there's this... I will say, though, for as awful as that scene was, 
there's just something about the stop motion filming that I love. It's charming. It just feels right for an old horror movie. Um, so I, that alone, uh, in this set of scenes and then at the end, the stop motion really bumps it up. Basically a whole point and a half to two points for me in my rating because I, I just love it. it. When cheesy horror works, it works, man. But, um, anyway, so, and then where the fuck did Ash go to where he couldn't hear her calling for him? And then why did he just come out of nowhere silently to grab her as she was going back to the car? Like, it didn't add anything to the story other than just try to build some cheap suspense. And it, that didn't work for me. Like, that was a stupid little attempt at a scare that I hated. Um, and then last thing I have, I didn't ha take a lot of notes on this set of scenes. But when the demon gets Cheryl, there was some good and some bad to me. The dialogue at first was bad. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, the demons talking, it says, awakened us from our ancient slumber. Okay. Like, or whatever the hell is said. That's just, nobody talks like that. Not even demons. I'm assuming I haven't dealt with them personally, but I just, that was bad dialogue. Um, and then I thought her look wasn't bad at first. And then the look of the ankle being stabbed with a pencil, I thought was fantastic. Like that looked yeah. great. Um, and then <laughs> when she bitch slapped Ash, that was a bit hokey to me. Um, he just went fucking flying. And then when she was in the cellar, her makeup or the doll that they used in lieu of her, whatever the hell that was, was ridiculously bad. So I thought at first the look was pretty good, considering such a low budget. But then when they threw in the cellar, it looked comically bad. So uh, there's some, some good, and it's like a mixed bag there. But overall... Um, I can't really say it's a good set of scenes, but I'm not going to say it's a bad set of scenes because I'm entertained. So it, it was a set of scenes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The guys go into the room and see the damage. Scott looks in a closet, but false alarm. Another false alarm behind the shower curtain. Scott is grabbed and has his face scratched as Shelly attacks him. The two squabble in the living room until Scott throws her to the ground and drags her out of the fire. Shelly grabs his throat and Ash is smacked into another bookshelf and is stuck again. Join us, the demon jail. Shelly grabs a dagger, but Scott holds her off and uses his own blade to cut her hand. <clears throat> Shelly bites her hand off, holding the dagger. Scott stabs Shelly in the back with a dagger as Ash watches on. Shelly falls backwards onto the blade. She vomits and spits up blood. She stops moving and Scott walks by her, but is grabbed as she sits back up. Scott tells Ash to hit her, but the moment was too big. He pissed down his leg. Scott takes the axe and dismembers her body. Scott says, we're going to bury her. Shelly's dead. They take the body parts outside in a sheet and bury her in the ground and place a cross above the plot. Scott says he's leaving tonight. He doesn't care about Linda. We'll leave her here until we send help back. Scott leaves Ash and Linda behind. Cheryl continues to laugh and mock Ash. Ash checks on Linda in bed, and when he checks the wound, he sees it spread and realizes she's possessed as well. Ash goes to walk out the cabin, but Scott falls on him in pain. Linda sits cross-legged watching them and laughing. Scott says, it's not going to let us leave. We're all going to die. Ash says, we're not going to die. We're getting out of here. Cheryl mocks Scott as he slowly dies. Scott tells Ash there's a trail, but the trees, they know. They're alive. The demons laugh more as Scott is in agony and begins to bleed from the mouth. Ash smacks Linda over and over as Scott says to kill her. He grabs a shotgun but can't shoot her. Linda continues to laugh and she changes back normal. Ash, help me, please, she says. She gets up and hugs him. Please don't let them take me away again. Cheryl asks for his help too. I'm all right now. Unlock this chain and let me out. 
Ash gets down to unlock the chain, but her hand punches through the floor, grabbing his face. He stands up. <laughs> I thought it was funny. He stands up, calling them bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Linda laughs, sitting back down again. We're going to get you. <laughs> We're going to get you. Not another peep. Time to go to sleep. Ash drags Linda outside, and he goes back inside to give Scott some water. Morning is an hour away. We can all go home together. Linda is back inside, and she stabs Ash with a dagger in the two fight. He kicks her into the wall, and he fights her off, and Cheryl grabs his ankle. Join us. He shoves the dagger into her back, and she falls to the floor below. She convulses, spitting up this white liquid, I guess vomit, and blood. Ash chains Linda down and gets a chainsaw to dismember her. He sees the necklace on her and stops. He begins to cry as he lays against her chest. And the next set of scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. What do you think? Well, all right. So at the start here, you know, Shelly's screaming and we get absolutely no hurry to go see why by anybody, any, any one of the guys. Um, no idea why we're in different rooms anyway with everything going on, but we are. Um, and I laugh my ass off when Scott comes busting into the room with, you know, Shelly scratching at his face. Ash doesn't do shit. Like, he just sits there and just watches. It's a rather funny, actually. And he doesn't even stand. After she th- throws her into the fire, he just kind of stands up. And just like, oh, damn, good thing you had it. Um, I will shout out the sound design of the goddamn demon screaming as she's just dying or just period. It's so unnerving and just annoying as fuck. Like, I can definitely see how Ash later is like, fuck this. Um, you know, the effects as, as Shelly Demon or or Deadite Shelly is is killed, though I thought it's great for what this movie is. A lot of milk was used, which is pretty recognizable. Um, now, when Steve is hacking her up, it does look pretty bad. And I 100% realize that that was his girlfriend. But literally, as soon as he's done hacking her up, Steve says, we got a barrier. What? We do? I don't know. Shit. Okay. Maybe this is reasonable if you can dig fucking holes as fast as they can. Um, you know, and just kind of throw up a cross for the headstone marker real fast, just make that too. But I don't know. It just kind of seemed very comedic to me here. And so, like, I felt like people like the other ones because they're so horror comedy. And I kind of felt like this, if this would have gone more in that direction, maybe I would like it more, you know, for what it is. But yeah, that was, this is just one of the many things. And look, all the demons were great, but Linda, I thought she looked awful. Like, Harley Quinn almost, but, but God damn that life or that laugh was annoying, which I'm, I'm pretty sure was the point. And uh, yeah. the, the childish, we're going to get you not another peep. Eh, didn't really do it for me. Now, apparently Bruce Campbell has apologized for his character slapping Linda, but come the fuck on, like be mad about the tree rape scene. Okay. But he's hitting a demon. He's not hitting his girlfriend. So sorry. I don't really agree with the outrage over that at all. Um, I did love how the demon toyed with Ash, you know, by kind of turning back into normal Linda. Uh, I did like that a lot. And I'll give big props to the jump scare where Cheryl's demon hands busted through the floor. <laughs> that one made me jump. So props on that one. And, and her thumb being in his mouth was pretty fucking disgusting. So that was a nice touch. And just the last thing, a little tidbit here, when he finally snaps, you know, and takes Linda demon downstairs to cut her up. Apparently Bruce Kimball actually had to use a real chainsaw and hold it up to Betsy Baker's chest. Like you can see on the close-up of Linda's neck when it kind of shows when it shows that necklace up close that her pulse is racing. So a real chainsaw, real glass. Shit, what a nutso production this was. Yeah, so um 
So uh, Scott looking around for Shelly Nash just sitting there just really didn't sit right with me. That rubbed me the wrong way. Like he should have helped him look for her. But then when Shelly got Scott, I thought that was effectively done. Like that was a good uh, jump scare or the way it was shot. They build suspense around every every turn. Like you think, okay, this is where she's going to be. Oh, this is where you're going to be. And then when she grabbed him, I thought that was just very well done, uh, well-timed. But her dialogue when he pulled her out of the fire was just so bad. Thank you. I don't know what I would have done if you hadn't pulled me out of the hot coals. Fuck out of here. Like this is some pretty bad dialogue and end points. Um, but we do get some very gnarly looking effects on Shelly. Um, very impressive makeup on her. Uh, but her death took, it took too long, uh, I thought. But uh, with that, because the screaming, the screaming just made it unbearable at times. And then the effects of the white stuff squirting out of her, like, what the fuck was that? Milk? Like, I, okay. Um, and then she just comes back alive for no reason. And Ash just stood there like a pussy. Like, well, we, I get it. Your name is Ashley, and I believe your middle name is Joanne. I don't know if you guys have looked that up, but I think his name is <laughs> Ashley Joanne or Ashley Joan. Oh. Oh, okay, wow. so I get it. Uh, he ain't got that dog in him. But why the hell? And then why the hell are they so concerned with her not being able to walk? And then why even consider leaving her behind? Like, there's two of you fully grown men. Carry her ass. Like, leaving her is not an option. You can't say, oh, she can't She can't walk, she can't walk. Pick her ass up, throw her in the car, and get the hell out. Like, that was a half-assed attempt, to be honest with you. Um, it's a crazy possession of Linda with the wound uh, spider webbing like that. And then her sitting up and having that, that giggle. I hated the giggle. Um, but it is what it is. And then why was she just sitting there? And not trying to get the guys. Like uh, the that's that's one of the issues I have with this movie is there seems to be no rules, no rhyme yes. or reason to Thank the you. deadites. Um, and then you know they've got one of them locked in the cellar, not trying to kill it. The others, okay, we're going to kill. And then when Linda's possessed, oh, we're, she's not going to try to kill us. We're not going to try to kill her. We're just going to kind of exist in the same space. Okay, had a problem with that. Um, and then Linda saying we're going to get you while sitting up and giggling. And then just putting no fight as he dragged her outside. Okay. Like he just grabbed her by the feet and took her ass outside like it was nothing. She didn't. Uh, okay. Whatever. And then Linda coming back in and stabbing him to me was very predictable. I mean, he just took her outside, didn't do anything to her. And he, sh he should have blown her fucking head off when he had the gun pointed at her earlier. But, you know, any, any misfortune that comes as a result of her is kind of expected and owed. Um, but then when she falls on the blade, she does her best Triple H impersonation with the milk there. I, I don't get – that was an odd choice. Like, why, why are they spitting milk or cum or whatever that white – why? Demons don't spit blood? I don't get it. Um, but then I, I will admit, though, it is pretty sad stuff as he's about to chainsaw her up, which is a home light chainsaw, by the way. Um, and then he just – he sees the necklace. Like what that really honestly is a pretty powerful scene. Cause think about this, despite how hokey some of this movie has been, the dialogue's bad. Um, what a shitty night Ash has had. Like he just wanted to come to the cabin with his friends and his girlfriend and get a little poontang out in the woods. Instead, everybody he knows is dying and he's going to have to chop up his girlfriend after he just gave her this necklace. Like that's, that's pretty, pretty heavy stuff. But again, fuck that necklace. It's a stupid necklace. I don't know who <laughs> would put a, a magnifying glass on a necklace to begin with. But anyway, I've dated a couple of girls that have spoons on necklace, but that's for 
different reasons. Those are functional spoons uh, for the booger sugar. I don't know what the purpose of a, a magnifying glass is. Jesus. <laughs> is a family All right, guys, here's the ending. <laughs> he carries her body back outside, lies her down, and begins to dig a grave. Linda's eyes open and Ash pauses but continues digging. Cheryl finally gets free and Ash picks, up, picks Linda up, placing her in the grave. He finishes filling the grave back up and sees the necklace on the ground. Linda grabs his hand as he reaches for it and she scratches his leg all up. He beats her with a wooden beam over and over as she laughs at him. He falls backwards and grabs a shovel, cutting Linda's head off as she jumps towards him. Her body lands on him, spewing blood on him. He gets her body off him and he's back inside. He sees Cheryl has gotten free from the cellar. He grabs a shotgun and looks for her. Cheryl grabs the gun from outside the window. He shoots her in the neck and he runs to the door to barricade her out. He bashes her fingers and runs to the back door. He goes back into the cellar to get more shotgun shells. He takes a tumble down the stairs, Dustin style. A pipe burst spewing blood all over him and suddenly... <laughs> Love you, brother. Uh, I owe you for that Wendy's joke last week. A pipe burst spewing blood all over him and suddenly a, rec a record and film begin to play. Ash runs to the shells as he hears voices of the others. The projector, light bulb, record player all explode. Ash goes back upstairs and we hear the clock going off. He sees the hands moving backwards. Ash goes to leave, but the shutters begin to slam repeatedly. He looks at himself in the mirror, then touches it, and his hand sinks in like water. He shoots the window and backs into the door. He gets a new shell on the gun and looks at the, at the necklace he gave Linda. Cheryl's hands punch through the door, grabbing Ash. Join us, she yells. Ash shoots her through a hole in the door. He uses a dresser to barricade the door as we see Scott get up and attack now. The Necronomicon falls to the floor near a fire. Ash gouges out Scott's eyes and he drops him. Cheryl gets inside and, and fights Ash again. He reaches for the necklace on the ground as Scott grabs his ankle, biting it. Cheryl gets a fire poker, beating him with it. Ash uses the necklace to grab hold of the book. He tosses it into the fire. The Deadites stop attacking and they begin to dissolve and die. We see these giant hands erupt from their bodies. Ash hears, join us again. Ash gets up and the clock is working again and it's light outside. He goes outside and we see a POV shot running towards and through the cabin and it runs into Ash, knocking him over, and the film ends. All right, Brian, what did you think about the ending? Um, yeah. Look, I'll give it some props. You know, I, I love the callback to Demon Linda uh, when she was peeking, when she thought that Ash wasn't looking, you know, while she was laying there dead, or so thought. And, you know, that callback to when they were doing that earlier, when Ash gave her the, the Dustin necklace, uh, I appreciated that. Now, we all know how I am about decapitations anyway, so... The one swipe decapitation with the shovel made me absolutely roll my eyes. Uh, a little tidbit, though, uh, about when the corpse of Linda tried to mount Ash here during this scene. Uh, apparently in post-production, that scene was added to kind of, quote, even the score, kind of even the potential controversy that they obviously expected with that Cheryl tree rape scene from earlier. So, I mean, they, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> they knew that was going to cause some controversy. Um Cheryl busts out of that basement with relative ease, you know, kind of begging the question of why she's waited this long to, to do that. Uh, and speaking of, of shooting Cheryl through the windows, you know, another tidbit here in this group of scenes and, you know, kind of add to the nuts of the production when Ash shoots demon Cheryl through the, through the window of the cabin, causing the, the big explosion of blood. Uh, Bruce Campbell's actually firing real life ammunition at a dummy, you know, kind of causing the scene to, to look more realistic. So Alec Baldwin, Decades before Alec Baldwin, I guess. Um, 
you know, and during the premiere of uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, which is, like I said, the only one I didn't see, uh, Bruce Campbell claimed that the final shot in this film where, uh, where Ash is, is attacked by that demon was uh, achieved by mounting a camera on a tripod, then mounting the tripod on a motorcycle and driving it through the forest, through the cabin, and deliberately into Campbell. And Campbell claims to have uh, had broken ribs because of this. <laughs> That's crazy. It's nuts. Um, now, I did appreciate how uh, Ash really kind of came into his own here by the end, though. Um, had a little nice little bit, of, nice little arc there. And the scene with him loading up and hearing everyone's voice from, from earlier in the movie, I thought that was done very well. Um, the shot against the projector screen, I thought that was great and looked great. But all in all, look, I'm sorry. But at this point, I'm just, I'm just glad the movie's over with, to be honest. <laughs> all right. So uh, I think we get a great callback here. Uh, to earlier with her opening her eyes and then closing them when he's looking like that was a great callback to when they did that shit with that stupid ass jewelry box with a stupid ass necklace in it. Um, but it, and then we get some pretty gruesome stuff with his leg getting all gashed up and torn up like that. Um, and then it's hilarious stuff. And he just beat the hell out of her with that six by six post and then her just giggling the whole time. And it's even funnier when he lopped her head off with a shovel. Like that was hilarious to me. Number one, that post must not have weighed anything the way he was swinging it. And then just, I don't know, the optics of her head going flying was great. Um, and then the door. Boy, if you don't go to hell, the, the windows are busted out. Closing the damn door ain't going to do a damn thing to keep <laughs> the deadites outside. Go to hell. Um, and then Nico alluded to it, but him falling down the stairs to the basement. God, that hurt me. I've done that. About, I don't know, no less than 10 times in my house. Uh, I've got some pretty s steep stairs going down in my basement, and they're wooden stairs, and so sometimes they get slick. Oh, shit. I had to pause the movie and take a walk around the living room holding my back. That one hurt me. But um, I think we did get some very cool visuals when the whole house started uh, bleeding. Um, but how the hell did he get the blood off of him so easily? Like his face was completely covered, just douched with blood. And then in the very next scene, it all went away. Like his face is dry. So, okay. That's that's, you could tell they stopped filming for the day and then picked it back up. That's okay. Um, the last act though, really drags on too long. In my opinion, um, the runtime, of this movie is not bad, but you really feel it in this set of scenes to me. Uh, it's very cool effect of him, you know, touching the mirror and it, being water, I thought that was very well done, you know, considering the effects and the budget they had to work with. That looked cool. Um, but it is very predictable when he's up against the door and then the hand busts through and grabs him. Like I was, say, I was thinking the whole time, because um, it, it had been a long time since I saw this movie, and I didn't remember how he was grabbed. But I, was, I was watching that. I was like, man, don't put your back up against a door or a wall. Come on. Um, and then it was great-looking effects when he shoots her in the fucking face. That looked pretty cool. Then uh, Scott gets back in the mix here. Why didn't Nash take care of him sooner? Should have buried his ass with Linda. Like, you know what's going to happen. Like, you've seen people turn, and then you're just going to leave him laying in the floor. Like, you, you bring that on yourself. Um, yes. Go ahead. Why did they turn? Like, what's the purpose? Did I miss that at all? Like, what? It wasn't the blood. It wasn't the scratches. It wasn't. Like, what was the reason for being possessed? All right, so I've got that as well, like, uh, somewhere in here. But it doesn't make sense because everyone else, if an infected person, like, scratched them or bit them, yeah. that's when they turned. But Ash got his leg damn near pulled off. 
Yes. I never had any issues. So th- did he carry the anti-venom? I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> now, him trying to grab the book when he's laying on the ground and he's trying to grab the book with that stupid-ass magnifying glass, that was so annoying. Like, I get oh, it yes. <laughs> because you bought this necklace as part of your budget and you and you changed your ending, but you still want to, you know, I don't want to waste my money at this necklace. Let's make it pay off somehow. That did not work for me, Bubba. That was stupid. No. Uh, and the, the scene just took forever with him just getting beaten to shit with a fire poker and his ankles being bitten by Scott. All the while he's taking this flimsy ass necklace, trying to grab a book and drag it to him like this. That's the uh, scene. That one particular scene should have lasted about a quarter of that time. Um, but I will say the stop motion deco- decomposition of Scott and Cheryl was awesome. Like that was just the cheesy 80s stuff in all the best way. That was fucking incredible stuff. Um, and then, okay, so the, the way they shoot it is very ambiguous. Like, did Ash survive? Did he not? He did. We know that because there's there's sequels. But what an unfortunate situation he's in, man. Um, and this is where I put it. Like, everyone else they've been scratched or bitten. They got possessed immediately. And he, I guess he was just built different, but, um, and, and, you know, they, they didn't need to leave it so up in the air like that because we get the sequel. So we know that he's alive, but the way they shot it made it look like, okay, he got overran and there's no survivors. Didn't like that, that they left it up. I don't know. That, that just didn't work for me. But, um, overall though, I mean, I, the, the stop motion just made it and, it, it was enough to make me say, okay, I fucking loved it. All right, guys, let's jump into our social media comments and questions. Let's do Facebook first. Uh, Michelle Mirza, you know, big fan of the show, great friend. She said, good choice, guys, very much long overdue. Can't argue with that. I, I was really surprised we've gone 253 reviews until we've done this one. But, hey, right. it'd be like that sometimes. Matt Strickland commented, the Evil Dead is definitely a golden oldie with the goat Bruce Campbell. That tree scene was unexpected and cringy as hell. The special effects weren't the greatest, but they definitely improved in the sequels. What do you guys think of Ash as a character and final guy? I'll go first. Uh, Bruce Campbell is definitely a legend, but I can't really speak on him much as a final guy because I've only seen this movie. And I kind of agree with you, Brian. I thought uh, Scotty was more of a badass than Ash was, honestly. I thought Ash was kind of a he kind of got bossed around a lot. Hey, who survived? Ash is built different. Because <laughs> he was well, a producer. Well, and that's uh, that's probably the real life story or real life reason is that he was a producer on the thing. But the end story, I would say that you know that's kind of his gig is that he's the anti-hero. He's the one that you would not expect to be the the hero. So I think that that's kind of what is part of his charm moving forwards. Now the movies completely change, completely. Like it's not even. And I've kind of got in my summary about the beginning of Evil Dead too, so um, I'll talk on that a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, like I said, I haven't seen the sequel or the the show or the remake or anything, so I can't really speak to Ash, uh, unfortunately, as a final guy. But as one film, as the final guy, not that great. I mean, he got his ass beaten most of the movie. Um, he made bad decisions, left people alive for too long when he could have ended all this misery a lot sooner. Um, gave his girlfriend a shitty necklace. I No, not good. In the in the later like ones, he gets more and more kind of pompous and asshole-ish, you know, but but that's kind of 
you know, if if you're looking at this as one long timeline, you know, he's been through a lot of shit. So you can you can kind of see that. But he does get a lot more of a selfish kind of pompous asshole type vibe to him later on. Uh, I hate to say it, but I've heard Bruce Campbell's not the friendliest person either to meet at conventions. I've heard that from several people, so maybe he takes uh, oh, wow. the persona all the way to his real life. <laughs> nice. uh, but I haven't met him, so I can't speak on that. Uh, all right, let's go over to Instagram now. Elbow.Tyler said, best movie ever. Big fan of the homages to Texas Chainsaw and The Hills Have Eyes. Do you think the filmmakers are trying to say anything by having the women get possessed first, or is that just a coincidence? Do you guys like the TV show? Can't wait to hear your opinions on this one, on this masterpiece. Join us with the zombie emoji. Uh, any thoughts, guys? I can go first. Yeah, Doesn't first matter. of all, let me say this, Elbow.Tyler. You can't see it, but my head is turned to the side, and I'm looking at you with a side eye right now. Best movie ever? <laughs> let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Um, I get everybody's got their own preferences, and I would, if you said this is your favorite guilty pleasure, okay. But best movie ever? That's pretty strong. Um, unfortunately, I haven't seen the show. It is on my list. I will get back to you on that. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the TV show either. Um, and honestly, I think it was just kind of a coincidence that the, the women got possessed first. I mean, I just feel like they oh, yeah. were after. I feel like they were just after Cheryl from the get-go. Oh, yeah, I forgot that part. I'll say that I think it's very much of the time. I think that yeah. uh, 1981... You know, if this movie was remade today, and I don't know if the remake did it in a different order, but I think it just wanted to portray, I think it definitely was a choice to portray the women as uh, more weak and susceptible to evil. Well, I mean, you were getting into the time period. I mean, you had Halloween, you had Final Girls, and like we talked about with Sam Raimi, he's kind of trying to flip the trope a lot. You know, I think that maybe he was just trying mm-hmm. to go with the final guy for the horror movie for the once, really. Well, I can for sure say that I can see that wanting to flip the trope and do a final guy. But, you know, you could have had Scott been first up or second up to get possessed. Uh, I think it definitely was a choice. It was calculated to have, you know, have them be the last two standing. All right, Jay Hambrick, 88, commented, this is my second favorite horror movie ever made. Okay. I think they did a great job with having such a low budget. And only Brian can answer this. Do you guys prefer the original or the remake? Bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the original. Dustin, we're going to have to watch the terrible. remake just so we can answer my, our guy's question. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll knock out the remake sometime this week, as a matter of fact. It's on Hulu, so it's free. Don't pay for it. All right. Uh, Chris underscore 2020 commented, I watched <laughs> No, that's a great answer. I watched this way too young as a kid. My dad would recommend all these horror movies to me, and before I knew it, 11-year-old me was binging the Evil Dead trilogy and more. Absolutely love them all. Hey, that makes perfect sense. You saw them when you were 11, and you love them still. It makes total sense to me. Exactly. Uh, Nostalgia right, let's jump over to Twitter key. now. Uh, yep. It sure is. Uh, teammate of the show, Kevin Scanlon, commented, I'm looking forward to hearing Brian shit all over this one and upsetting the horror community. <laughs> it's been a yeah, long month I'm guys sure they're not going to like alright Sean Irwin commented I absolutely love this movie and I'm glad y'all are forcing Brian to watch it super impactful <laughs> movie and hope at least one of y'all appreciates it <laughs> I guess they like seeing Brian suffer <laughs> I guess so 
Who would have thought that Exorcism like, of Emily Rose would have the horse, highest score of anything that I've picked this month or that I've graded this month? <laughs> <laughs> this this month and these comments tonight specifically remind me of uh, that clip from uh, Chappelle's show when he's being Mace Windu and he goes, "Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they hope they burn in hell." Like that's how everybody's <laughs> treating Brian right now. It's like, yeah, I want Brian to suffer and watch this movie. <laughs> All right. Hernandez Gun tweeted saying, "I'm really scared of this review. For I'm scared of this review for this. I love this movie, but I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea. Hey, at least you understand it's not everyone's cup of tea, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, last comment we, the last comment we have is from Randy Smith. Bruce Campbell is a horror legend. Ashes in the realm of Jason, Freddy, and Mikey. And well, this may not be my personal favorite. I do see what why people love the movie. I say it's a groovy seven point five. Happy New Year's, and I'm excited to see what 2023 brings. Go dogs! <laughs> Happy New Year, brother. Hell yeah, brother. All right, guys, that's the end of our social media comments and questions. Do y'all want to do some fun facts? Do y'all have any? I don't have any. Um, so uh, the cabin was located in the forest outside the small town of Morristown, like we've kind of you know determined already. Bruce Campbell said in his biography that it was later burned down. Uh, to this day, the exact circumstances are unknown. Uh, Sam Raimi claimed that he burned it down himself after filming, probably joking, because he believed you know, that the cabin was haunted. However, according to other sources that burned down years after the film was made because teenagers illegally went to the cabin and accidentally set it on fire while camping outside of it. Today, the only remaining part of the structure is the fireplace that was specifically built for the film. Um, additionally, no one will give out the complete directions to the cabin's location as too many people have already vandalized the property. Um, and the last thing I have is the original script call for called you guys were talking about the marijuana and, and I cut out a little bit. Maybe you guys talked about this or not. I don't know. But if so, let me know. But the original script called for all the characters to be smoking weed uh, when they're first listening to the tape. Uh, the actors decided to try this for real and the entire scene had to be later reshot due to their uncontrollable behavior. All right. So I saw that fun fact about the uh, cabin's location being under tight wrap. But I think I found I think I found the location online. I'm gonna I'm gonna scope it out. I know it's not there anymore, but still it'd be cool to uh get lost in those woods, see if I can find that sex offender tree and serve some justice. But um <laughs> as far as my my as far as as far as my fun facts, um <laughs> sorry. Uh the cabin that was used here it was also the lodging for the 13 crew members. Several people, you know, sleeping in the same room here. Living conditions were said to be terrible. The crew frequently argued. Uh, the cabin didn't have plumbing, so the actors went days without showering and fell ill frequently in the freezing weather. Uh, by the end of production, they were burning furniture to stay warm. So just a fucking nightmare situation there. Um, at the end of the principal shooting in Tennessee, the crew put together a little time capsule and buried it inside the fireplace of the cabin as a memento uh, of the production to whoever found it, that the cabin was destroyed, and only the, the fireplace is still intact. So that's why I kind of want to find it, see if I can get a picture with the fireplace. I think that'd be pretty cool. Maybe I'll do that this week, this upcoming weekend, post it on our social medias. Um, Bruce Campbell put up his family's property in northern Michigan as collateral so that Sam Raimi not only could finish the film, but also blow it up to 35-millimeter film, which was required for theatrical release. Uh, Raimi was so grateful for his financial contribution that he was credited as a co-producer. 
The blood for this film was a combination of caro syrup, non-dairy creamer, and red food coloring. Uh, at one point, Bruce Campbell's shirt that he wears was so saturated with the fake blood that after drying it by the fire, the shirt became solidified and broke when he tried to put it on. That is one thing that um, I will commend this movie on. I thought the blood looked fantastic. Like a lot of times the blood just looks shitty, especially with low budget films, but I thought the blood looked great. Um, yeah. The film actually ran out of money and only half of it has been completed in the winter of 1980. And in order to complete it, Sam Raimi, Rob Tapert, and Bruce Campbell did everything they could to complete the film, uh, from taking out high-interest bank loans to borrowing money from friends and family, and even making cold calls to businesses uh, around their hometown in the state of Michigan. The cold calls worked, and they actually got catering, gasoline, and other necessities for the cast and crew. God, I got a lot, guys. Sorry. Uh, the film was shown to Stephen King, and it was his glowing endorsement, which uh, sold it to New Line Cinema and got them to distribute it. Uh, production was halted frequently when local hunters wandered into the location. And, of course, we get Sam Raimi's uh, personal vehicle, the Oldsmobile 1973 Delta 88. Uh, it was Ash's car in, in the Uncle or the Evil Dead movies. It was Uncle Ben and Aunt May's car in the Spider-Man movies. It was Annie's car in The Gift from 2000, which also is on my list to review one day. And it was Mr. G Mrs. Ganusha's car in Drag Me to Hell. And it's also made cameos in nearly all of his other movies. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, let's see. The film initially was released in the United States by New Line Cinema with an X rating. It was revised to NC-17 in 1994. Home video copies produced by Anchor Bay Entertainment are uncut and unrated because of the licensing studio, Renaissance Pictures, was not contractually obligated to provide an MPAA rating. Two more here and we'll be done. I need a breath. Richard DeMoniker and Teresa Tilly are members of the Screen Actors Guild. They use stage names to avoid being penalized for participating in a non-union production. Uh, DeMoniker credited himself as Hal Delrich, and Tilly used Sarah York. And the last one that I've got, Bruce Campbell, star of this film. He was also in Serving Sarah in 2002 with Matthew Perry, who was, of course, in Friends with David Arquette's ex-wife, Courtney Cox. There you go. Nice. Two degrees of David Cox or David Arquette. All right, guys, let's jump into our favorite kill. least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, Dustin's you said you wanted to do Mike's first. I think you got the budget in there as well. Yeah, I do. I'll go ahead and knock this out here. So <clears throat> this is only my second time watching this movie and it was so much different than I'd remembered. I enjoyed it this time around more. I honestly wish it had a little more camp like the second one does, but it still took a step up in my book. Bruce Campbell as Ash is iconic. So many shots from this movie are iconic. And while this won't ever be a franchise that I'm all in on, I'm glad I gave this one another shot. I'm one of the few that likes the remake as well. I like the idea of the Deadites and the way this movie does it. It's body horror. Fuck that up. Okay. Just want to say, demonically possessed trees, greater than, greater than, greater than. Demonically possessed mirrors. Fuck Oculus. P.S.? Go Spartans. Favorite kill. Deadite Shelly. Most people seem to feel this way on the internet. Least favorite kill. Linda. Death via possession is lame. As far as the budget. $375,000 budget. Grossed $2.7 million in the U.S. And $29.4 million worldwide. Fun fact, actually, I found is that this movie ranks 15th all time for the domestic box office for NC-17 movies. 
So that's pretty good. It was pretty successful. Um, nice. Back to Mike. Score. Still not on my list of cult classics, but I'm glad I gave it another shot. Gave this movie a 6.75. Um, okay. I'll go ahead and go next. Uh, my favorite kill was Shelly, you know, being cut up by the axe. My least favorite kill was Scotty, uh, being that it was just off screen. It was weird. Um, and kind of, I kind of brought this up earlier, but, you know, so in Evil Dead 2, because of some sort of like rights thing with the studio not wanting to give it back to Raimi, the first like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of, of Evil Dead 2 is a remake of this movie, but with Ash and Linda and a different actress playing Linda because um, uh, this, the actress that played her in this one was pregnant, but um, you know, but not the rest of them. It was like, it almost like reimagined this movie with only those two. And I mean, you know how confusing that is? Like, that's why the first time I watched it, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? It's the same movie again, but just, I don't know, different. Um, I don't know. It, It makes this movie not matter. So it's hard for me to, care about it if they didn't um i don't know even if it wasn't my cup even if it was my cup of tea i would still be like whoa i don't i don't get that i don't understand that um but as we already touched on this you know it's it's not my it's not my thing i i recognize how iconic it is and and all of that stuff and i agree with all that stuff it's just not my i just don't like any of them i don't like any of the evil dead movies sorry sorry for the score it's a 3.75 from me oh okay you go last, Dustin. You're doing the composite. Favorite kill? Uh, I disagree with Mike. I chose Linda when she was decapitated. Uh, I thought it was unexpected, and I like I like seeing her head get cut off. Uh, least favorite? I agree with you, Brian. Scotty off-screen kill was kind of a douche. Deserve to see some more of his kill and the <laughs> melting stop motion. I didn't think looked good at all. I wanted. I just wrote at the end. I wanted to like this movie. It is a horror classic with a huge following. However, I am not in that following. Maybe the sequels are better. I'm not sure. However, this movie did nothing for me. I thought it was pretty awful, honestly. The acting is not good. A lot of the effects look bad, and the demons laughing and the noises just began to aggravate me. I will compliment Sam Rainey on the cinematography of the movie and the atmosphere. That's about all I can say nicely, though. Just not for me. Respectfully, 3 out of 10. Okay. So, uh, as far as the kills go, my favorite kill is going to be Shelly. Uh, her gnawing off her own hand was pretty cool. And then there was the pump fake with her not really being dead yet, which I didn't love, but it provided for some more brutality because it was just, it was absolutely brutal when he chopped her up with the ax. Uh, and that kind of ax work is always going to garner praise from me, you know, being a wood chopper from way back. I really appreciated that. <laughs> uh, least favorite kill, man. I want to say Cheryl just because it was so impractical. Like why the hell wouldn't he kill her sooner? Just leaving her locked in the basement like there in the cellar. But Scott's death was just so lame. Like he just kind of got fucked up by the trees outside, came inside and died on the couch. Like, eh, that's pretty, that's pretty stupid. But um, as far as the rating goes, it's a classic. I mean, it has all the good things about cheesy eighties horror. There's major holes in the story and the logic, which I touched on. Uh, it also drags too long in certain areas, like the last act there. Um, but for what it is, you know, the time frame it came out, the low budget, um, how influential this was for the genre. I think it's good. And like I said, the stop motion, I, I get it. If you're watching it with 2022 eyes, that looked like shit, but it's for some reason, it's charming to me. Like I, I appreciated it. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the movie a 6.5. So that gives us a composite score of a five. 
and IMDb has it as a 7.4. So we're a little off because you two haters, but that's okay. <laughs> I have been very Guilty. clear about this for three years. So yeah, Brian has told told me from the get go since we ever first brought it up. Hate that movie. <laughs> I think one of the first stories he ever told me was whenever they went and saw the remake too. Hey, shout out to Heather for sticking around through the tough times. Right, right. I tell you what, <laughs> Queen. All right, let's shout out our blood donors now. Uh, we really appreciate y'all. You take a big burden off us to help us produce this podcast. Our camper level reoccurring are Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Brian Samick, and Gail Kuntz. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Hunter Nelson, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home Podcast, Heather Smith, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, and Karen. Our new legendary blood donor is Matt Strickland. And our final guy donor we have a film review for is Matt Sears. And I'll go ahead and announce our next review, which will be Matt Sears' final guy donor pick. We are going to be taking on Constantine. Uh, Matt, apologize. It's taking us so long, but it's just been super busy. But uh, we'll definitely be knocking out that movie next week. And we'll also be starting off a new theme month. or no theme, no theme, just free freelance picks. Uh, it's Brian's pick next week as well. We're going to be knocking out two reviews. Brian, you want to announce your pick for next week as well? 1994 Fear Street. God almighty. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't know. My mind just went blank for a minute. <laughs> uh, 1990 or Fear Street 1994, which was not made in 1984. But um, I love, I actually really like that movie. It kind of reminds me a lot of, gives me the scream nostalgia. So that's why I think I like that one the best of the trilogy. Uh, looking forward to our next month. Honestly, we're all we're doing all newer movies, and so it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to them. Uh, <laughs> just want to say appreciate everybody. Well, I mean, we can finally do Mike's Overdue pick, you know, that came out earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> movie came out six weeks ago, and we're like, hey, it's overdue. Let's do it. <laughs> Love you, brother. I uh, hope you're feeling better. I just want to thank all our fans. Uh, this is going to be our last review of 2022. Really appreciate all support. It's been incredible to think that we've been doing this for over three years now. I'm excited to kick the new year off. Uh, doing a lot of big things next year. Uh, overdue month was fun. I feel like we knocked out four movies that definitely all were overdue for a review. So, I mean, I'm really happy we did that. Uh, thank you again to all the fans. I really appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one. Join us. Just want to remind everybody.